I'm Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the real prime time. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a retro version of tonight's show, which player will improve their draft stock the most by entering the transfer portal? We comment on the NFL draft decisions, and it's the return of parting shots. But we start with the mercenary Deion Sanders already making waves at Colorado Chris Moxley, give us the one word that you would use to describe Coach Prime's impact. <laughs> this truly was a retro version. Felix not looking at the stream yard as he talks at the beginning of the show. That is classic, yeah. classic Felix. We don't know what happened to Chris. He just kind of disappeared. <laughs> Austin, give us your word then. Oh, God, no, I am probably the worst person to have go first. So I don't have, like most things, a very strong opinion on Deion Sanders uh, as a coach or specifically with him at Colorado. I know. So my word is unclear. Because I don't – I think a lot of the statements thrown around about Dion, we don't know yet. I think he's very polarizing. You know, some people want to say, you know, he's going to be a great head coach. I think I would push back on that a little bit. I think people say that he can't be a coach. I would push back on that too. I don't think we really know, and I don't know that his time at Jackson State is representative of what he actually can do as a coach. There were a lot of things there, um, the level of competition that really put him at an advantage with what he is and what he can do. Um, so I, I think it's unclear. I do like where his tenure is headed already. I think he is more self-aware than I thought he might be with some of the hires that he is supposedly making to his staff. 
uh, kind of shoots down the, you know, Dion's all about me kind of thing. I think I think he kind of knows that he's not really an X's and O's kind of guy. He's the, the I don't know, CEO is kind of the term that everyone uses. So I, I, I like what's happened so far. I'm going to give it some time before I actually have any real thoughts. I'd be surprised if Colorado ever gets great while he's there. But I think, you know, more characters in college football is good, whether I think this ends up great or failing spectacularly or more likely something in between. I would just like to say that we hadn't done the formal introduction of the show in what, a couple of months now? Yeah. We go to it, immediately fails. Immediately fails. Mox, give us uh, your back now. I threw it to you not knowing that you weren't here. That's what happened. Give us your word uh, to describe Coach Prime's impact on college football and maybe CU in general. Uh, Provocative. I think he is a provocative figure. I think, think about this. How many firings and hires have we had in the last, there were 22 jobs open in this cycle. How many of them made it to national media? And I'm not talking like national sports media. I'm talking CNN, CNN, CNN right. with Bamani Jones, right? Um, and you sent, you sent that clip and I thought that was, that made me think like, this dude's a provocateur. It's what he is. Like he, he knows he's doing it. He knows he's generating attention. I think a lot of that is for coach prime. But he's provocative. That's what he is. And it, I don't think it's bad for college football either. I think it's actually really good. I think you're bringing national spotlight to it. And it's fun. It's not a niche sport. Mine, my word was divisive. And I think a lot because of what Austin and Chris have both mentioned. While I do think it is good for Colorado and good for the sport. I, I think Dion is extremely entertaining and I, I think he's going to be that. And we don't have those coaches really outside of Lane Kiffin. I mean, Mike Leach tries to be, but I don't find him as entertaining as like Lane Kiffin is. And we're getting that with Dion, but Dion's got a little bit more swag than, than Lane Kiffin. He's got a lot more work ahead of him as well. I actually kind of kick back on what Austin said on them not being successful. If they're really able to pull in all these transfers, like the rumors are saying, Colorado is going to be better than a one-win team. And that, in essence, is technically... The bar is so low. Though. But that's still <laughs> technically successful. He, if he's able to take over the team, if he gets them to six wins or gets them to a bowl game, it's not something anybody expected before Dion got there. I think or that he, would be a failure in year one, Matt. I actually think six, a bowl game? I think six wins year one, like as a bare minimum, would be a failure in year one. I completely disagree with that, but I'll I'll finish my point and we can have a discussion sure. on that. I I think if he gets him to a bowl game, that's a massive su- success for them personally. Where I think it's divisive is we haven't seen I think what he's about to do at Colorado, which I think we you can already see it's rubbing some people the wrong way. Some people are all on board with it. Some people already say he's going to become this villain, I think, for a lot of people that I don't necessarily think he really is. But people are going to portray him that way. The having all these kids sign, um, it's not contracts, but so that they can have cameras follow them around everywhere, making this kind of a reality show, I think, is going to get a lot of pushback. People are not going to is like that. Is that something he's doing? I don't think that that's yes, widely... That's, 
That's why the camera was there when they recorded uh, his speech to all that other stuff. There's reports that he's having uh, all these kids now signed. They're going to have cameras following around everything at Colorado. It's going to become a whole TV. Those, none of those, those kids aren't going to be there in, in 60 which days. I don't necessarily care about because realistically, a lot of those teams do it. You don't get to see these full videos, but these social media teams cut up clips and all this stuff and they post it. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. But you know, the old heads are going to have an issue with that. These 40-year-old dudes sitting on their couch are going to complain about that. They just are. Oh, don't pretend like they're not, Felix. Yes, they are. No, I'm just saying, four, is 40 old? You're, aren't well, you 40? Uh, I, I'm close. I am close. Well, that's more of like a I'm, – I'm on a whole thing of like old old men who think they need to gatekeep college football today. It's going to be my, my parting shot as well. Like, it, it's just – it's a whole thing I think is going to be coming for Dion, which I don't necessarily think is fair, which is why I think it's going to be very divisive as long as he's there, but I do think he has a chance to be successful. I agree with what Austin said. Like he's bringing in really intriguing head coaches to or, uh, coordinators to possibly help this team. And if they bring in the talent, like all the rumors say, like I do think Colorado could be a good team realistically and like getting to a bowl game in year one. My one word to describe Dion on in college football and at, at CU is magnetic. Now the thing about a magnet is that it tracks whatever it is that it, it attracts. Positive attention, negative attention. CU is probably going to get more money now. College game day will be there in the fall, probably for that first game uh, uh, against Nebraska September 9th. We got to go to that one. Um, uh, CNN is talking about him on the news. When's the last time CNN talked about Nick Saban or Steve Sarkeesian or Lincoln Riley? I mean, he, he is a magnet for just about everything. Include, and I think it's... Like Moxley said, I think that it's ultimately good for college football when you have more eyes and more attention and what have you. Now, we might not really like the way that he goes about it in a very look-at-me type fashion, but we are all in the business of college football here at CampusCan.com, and he's good for our business, at least in my opinion. He's good for our business. I think more people are going to be seeking college football content, seeking college football in general because Deion Sanders – is a part of it. We're going to continue to track definitely the recruiting that they're doing there at CU and Dion just as a whole. So make sure you keep it locked here um, on the podcast feed and the YouTube page. Mox, we got new listeners, man. Do you want to? Uh, oh, oh, I did want to say Mike Zimmer and Sean Lewis are his coordinator hires. Excellent coordinator hires. Excellent coordinator hires. Sean Lewis, for those who don't know, is the head coach at Kent State. You talk about matching and putting up a lot of points. Sean Lewis is right at the helm of that stuff. Um, has had excellent offenses there at Kent State. A lot of those players entered the transfer portal. Colin Schley, uh, who am I thinking of? Dante Cephas, Marquez Cooper. The one who has it that I would like to see enter the transfer portal is uh, uh, Devontae Walker. He hasn't yet. But Sean Lewis has a history of producing very productive offenses. And then, I mean, to Mike Zimmer – was the head coach for for a, a playoff Minnesota Vikings team. And he's going to be your defensive coordinator not too far removed from, uh, from that job. I, you know, Dion is swinging a heavy bat. He's swinging a heavy bat. All right, Mox, uh, take us through um, housekeeping. And you're muted. This is definitely a retro show version of this show. That absolutely is. Uh a lot of people are probably new. So here, here's what we want you to do, what, where we want you to check us out. 
YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast feed, make sure that you like and subscribe this video, but make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have a ton of content here coming out each almost daily talking about the transfer portal, talking about bowl games, talking about recruiting. We know that there's going to be a big push coming up with early signing day. We also want rates and reviews on the podcast feed. If that is where you are listening, it helps us spread the campus kitten news. We also have a ton of content on that feed from multiple different shows that we do every week, almost daily. Again, putting out a ton of different college football content for y'all. Make sure that you're tuning in for our early day signing day show. That's coming up in the next week or so. It will be next two weeks. It will be December 21st, December 21st. There we go. I don't, I didn't have, I didn't have the date in front of me coming out in December 21st. We will be covering all of the uh, early signings. We're already seeing some news coming in today. Like Cedric Baxter, uh, Command to Texas A&M, but we will keep you there live on you know, December. What? Don't, don't have Texas fans freak out. Ruben Owens. Sorry, Ruben, Ruben Owens. I got, I got my top tier running backs confused in this class. We will have content all day on uh, December 21st. We also have the transfer portal tracker. If you are tracking the transfer portal, Campus Canton is a great place to do it. We've put it up. We have a ton of different information on there, where, where players are going, where they were committed, what they were when they were recruits. Bunch of cool different information. We're keeping it updated daily, and it updates within, I think, five or ten minutes of when a player enters the portal, and we're able to log it into the system. Make sure that you're also watching us at Better Sports on Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m. We are providing a bunch of content that you see on our site. Over there, it's a great way to listen to us and interact with us. You can call into the show. Make sure you download the Better Sports app. Come hang every Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m., and we will be doing it in the offseason as well. We have parlayed our unprofessional work here at Debbie Debate to a radio show on Saturday mornings, the Better Sports app. So make sure you download that 8 to 10. Every We're talking college football all year round. B-E-T-T-O-R, Better Sports. Um, it, I love being a part of them because there are some like radio veterans in that group. And us. And us. <laughs> So check out, check us out, support us on the Better Sports app. Um, let's get into the transfer portal here. Uh, open December fifth, and we've had, you know, I mean, I think it's we're close to, I don't know, fifteen hundred. We got to be close to fit because it was a thousand, like twenty four hours after uh, after day one was done. Mox, of those players who have entered thus far, who do you think is the most poised? to improve their draft stock. We're talking about, you know, guys like Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State, Joe Burrow going from Ohio State to LSU. There have been there are a number of JUCO transfers that we could throw out there. Ramondre Stevenson, Rashad White, all fantasy-relevant players right now. Who for you is the player or players that you think could most uh, dramatically improve their stock? Uh, I got two guys. One is from that Kent State team that we were just talking about. Dante Cephas entered the portal. He was a legit producer at Kent State at 3.06 yards per team pass attempt. This year fell off a little bit. But he was hurt uh, for a good chunk of the year. He has good, you know, not top-end amazing speed, but he runs good routes. He has really strong hands. Is really impressive at the catch point. He has good size. He's 6'1", 185. Uh, he already has high-end offers, too, which that is the kicker. When I see a G5 player enter the portal and they get Georgia, they get Penn State, they get UCLA, Makes me want to pay attention. He was just pretty prolific guy 
at, at Kent State. So I think that he has a chance to legitimately improve his draft stock if he can produce at a Power 5 level. Really similar yeah, yeah. to uh, Kanate yes. Mumfield last year getting you know offers right out of the gate. Yeah, I, yeah, it's um, he's definitely someone who, if he wants to go to a high end high end school, he seems like he can. Uh, other guy that I have is a tight end. I talked about him a little bit uh, in a couple different shows we have, but I do think that he's there's a chance that he is Campus to Canton relevant next year, and he has NFL potential. And that is Kyle Morlock, who is a Division two transfer from Shorter University in the Georgia Mountains outside of Rome, Georgia. He's 6'7", 245, excellent blocker. You see him pancaking dudes all the time. It does not look like they're playing on the same field when you compare him to half the dudes he's playing against in D2. Um, Led the team in receiving as a tight end this year. He's a two-time All-American. He's an excellent inline tight end as well as a pretty good route runner. He's a pretty impressive player. And what, what attracted me to... Him was a the offers that he got as well, Auburn, Tennessee, like you name it. He has been offered by a bunch of these big schools in the southeast, Florida State. He's the 16th ranked player in the portal too. This is a dude who's come from D two as a tight end. That's that's impressive. He can improve a lot of teams, and I think that he's a pretty good receiver as well. So he's someone I first I'm pretty interested. I heard talk about uh, Tuck, Tucker. Is it Tucker Craft? Yeah, yeah. So you're giving us another tight end uh, recommendation. I like um, him. I like him. I think he's pretty good. Matt, who you got? So I've got three players. Um, Carson Steele, Ball State running back. Um, you know, I wrote an article on him up on campus to Canton talking about how I thought he could become Rashid Ali for CFF scoring this year. That ended up coming true. I, I know Felix has talked a lot about him too. I actually think he might have a shot at an NFL future. I do think he's a really good running back. While it may hurt his CFF production this year by possibly transferring up and getting a P5 job, I want to see him play better competition. So he's one I'm very intrigued. So I do think that he could end up getting some higher draft capital. I'm going to give give my boy Colin a shout-out here with Hudson Card. Like, he was not bad in that Alabama game before. I know Austin, Austin doesn't love anything positive for Colin. But he looked, he was, he looked good before he rolled that ankle I would, I really want to see where he goes because there's a lot of teams. We, me and Moxley were able to talk about this a little bit and um, on the bowl game show and Alfred and I talked about it on our transfer portal show as well. 50% of college football's quarterbacks last year were transfers. Like they, they transferred in and took over that starting job. I think we're going to see close to the same thing again this year. So I think Hudson Card really has a shot to be a starter. You know, he was offered from Arizona State. I would actually kind of love to see him get paired with Kenny Dillingham with what Dillingham was able to do with Bo Nix. I don't know exactly where he's going to go. I haven't seen if he's gotten any offers, but he's one that I'm really intrigued by. And the last one, speaking of Kenny Dillingham, Dante Thornton who played really, I shouldn't say really good, but played better at the end of the season last year. Big wide receiver. I think he is probably one of the better wide receivers currently in the portal, at least from the P5 side, that I would really like to see where he goes. Like I could see him going to an Alabama to try and help out that room that's completely vacated, go to a Tennessee to help out there. Like I really want to see where he goes because I think he could improve his uh, stock as well. I also think that Carson Steele is an NFL draft prospect, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily improve on that stock by going to like Purdue and having the same season that he could have had uh, at Ball State, probably a more productive season uh, at Ball State. Mox, Chris, do you guys think that he's an NFL NFL player, even if it's day three? 
I've seen worse players get drafted day three, so sure. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I really need to see him play against better competition because he beats up to some really poor defenses. Like his best games have come against defenses that are like bottom five in the country and rushing. So I need to I need to see it against good teams. Austin. Yeah, I put JoJo Earl down just because I knew that would make you happy, Felix. Um, but also, I think he's still a good player. You no, know, he got injured before the season and then I think was never really right. I mean, I think it's hard to kind of get injured before the season, miss a couple games and then come back like in the middle of the year when everyone's kind of, you know, already in the swing of things. I'm interested to see where he goes. He's from Texas. I know there's some, some talk, you know, does he go to Texas? I'd like him at maybe UNC um, or or one of these other places. I refuse to talk about Makai Jackson. I don't think he's any good. Um, The other guy that I think is really interesting is Ethan Calvert is a guy that I haven't heard anybody talking about linebacker from Utah was a high four-star kid went there last year. Didn't really play at all this year, but he's a pretty good athlete 24 seven Compton to Brian Cushing. I think he's a little bit of a, like Cushing was kind of that, that last of the, the old school linebackers. I think Calvert's actually much more versatile than that. I thought he would play more this year and he really didn't. So I'm interested to see where he ends up. Cause I think he could be a like plug and play guy for a lot of schools out there. So I'm interested to see where Ethan Calvert ends up as well. Uh, Austin's comment there about Makai Jackson is a response to uh, the comments here in the peanut gallery. If you want to, you know, join us live 9:30 Eastern time on the campus again, YouTube page, we'd love to have you. I've got two quarterbacks. I want to start with Christian Veyu from Penn state who has entered the transfer portal. This is not a player that I had knew, knew anything about before uh, he played last year as a true freshman in relief for um, whatever. I forget Sean Clifford. Sean, yeah. Sean Clifford. A, th- a three-star prospect. I don't think that anyone was watching. He's just played well. He's played well in spots this year. And I think that he could. He's probably a transfer down candidate. I would assume, unless it's like going to like Indiana. Rumor, or... rumor is back up at Pitt. Just for the record. What? I'm what? I'm not making what? this up. That is the rumor that he's going to Pitt. And he's going to sit behind Phil Jerkovic this year. That makes no. I think that this kid could start somewhere. I would be really disappointed if he um, went to. He play. might beat out Jerkovic for what it's worth. So, I mean, players like this could be. Yeah. If we get to a, to the spring game and he, you know he's taking reps with the ones, he could be a free space on your campus to Canton roster. I just think that he's good. Maybe not somebody a player that you want to roster right now, but at least a player to pay attention to. A player that I do want to roster is Jacoby Criswell, four star quarterback from UNC who did not get the job uh, competing with Drake May and has entered the transfer portal. Now, I've seen 24-7 link him to Arkansas. Um, I really like – another player that I've – anytime I've seen him play, has played well. Might have one of the strongest arms in the country of players that we're not – you know, we're not paying attention to off-the-radar guys. Go watch his spring game. I mean, there's like a – I remember a play where he's got somebody dragged all over him and, and uh, he still makes an, an accurate throw to the end zone. 24-7 content to Sam Howe, and then he went to UNC. So – and that is a position that is hard to restock and have a pipeline uh, in, in your C2C leagues. Maybe it's not hard, but it's important to have those guys to pay attention to. Both of these guys could find themselves starting. I really hope Christian Veyu doesn't go to Pitt. That would be stupid in my opinion. Um, so those are, uh, yeah, those are the guys that uh, that I personally like. Um, Can I give you one more that we didn't talk about real quick? Yeah. Uh, he's already committed, so like, it, do, it, it doesn't really matter. 
Malik Benson, the he's heading to Alabama. Uh, like he entered the portal from last year or like this fall and or spring. I, I, I get this timeline so confused because he's not entering until next year, but top five round pick in C2C leagues this fall or this spring. You cut out a little bit there. Top five round. I think so. We just did a mock. Do we know where he went? Like he definitely went in top Matt 10 rounds. Like he's looking, he's looking at it. It was a startup. But Chris, I wouldn't take him top five rounds like of a startup. But in freshman drafts, where would you take him? Austin. Uh, so I'll be honest, I was talking with our Debbie team a little bit about this because a couple of them are really high on him. He feels like a trap there at at Alabama, to be honest. Very raw, <laughs> doesn't have that much football background. Uh tore up JUCO, like who gives a shit? Um I don't like I we we got real real comfortable because Jameson Williams went there and tore it up, but I just think Jameson Williams was a different dude. Um, I, I don't know that that's Malik Benson. I think he's going to get overdrafted pretty significantly. I don't think he's as good as Isaiah Bond, who's already on the roster. They're going to play the same position. Like I, I just I, I think that people are getting way ahead of themselves on Malik Benson personally. So he had a sixty one percent receiving yard share, a ninety two percent touchdown share. He posted five yards per team pass attempt, or receiving yards per team pass attempt. Uh, he runs a 10-4-4 at 6-1. Pretty impressive profile is all I'm saying. That the reason tells that he... me that that team that he's coming from is probably Cheeks, if that's the kind of numbers he was putting up. Like, let's, <laughs> there are, let's be honest here. There are reasons that he is not in the FBS, and it is not football-related, is all I'm saying. Like... The reason he went to instead. When Austin was talking, Mox was over here shaking his head vigorously in disagreement. Uh, you got to catch the YouTube video live. Um, uh, there's I, one I player some, who announced. I do have some breaking news, by the way. Um, uh oh. So Mike Zimmer is not going to be the defensive coordinator at Colorado. We were ah. just talking about, according okay. to Brian Howell, who is, uh, covers Bama, I believe. Uh, Colorado is hiring Alabama associate defensive coordinator Charles Kelly to be their DC. So not Mike Zimmer. He's a he's a hot name. So I don't know if that means anything to anybody. Just thought I'd get that out there. Uh, now it's the question of the day. Matt has asked on Twitter, if Dion takes Colorado to a bowl game in year one, is that considered a successful first season? Obviously, it's early, but 93% Austin say yes. Uh, it is a successful season. I, I tend to agree with Matt on that one. So um, I actually, I, I, I like completely disagree because I, at first, because of what, like you can just completely overhaul an entire roster in one offseason in the portal. If Prime is pulling the names that he's rumored to be pulling, shouldn't be an issue. And then I went and looked at their schedule, and their schedule is actually kind of difficult. So, um, without looking at that first, I would have said seven or eight wins should have been the bare minimum because of the guys that he's supposedly. Has you know a lot? They've got two hundred people that have already called them, which I don't believe for a second. Um, but it is what it is. All right, all right. Uh, let us know. Uh, answer Matt's Twitter poll at uh, Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. One player who is not entering the transfer portal is Drake May, but he's losing some pieces. Mox Drake May staying. Offensive coordinator Phil Longo who was at the helm at Ole Miss with DK Metcalf and uh, Elijah Moore and A.J. Brown. And now his 
produced successful wide receivers with uh, Dame Brown and Daz Newsom and Josh Downs. He's gone to Wisconsin. We need to talk about that, what the implications are for that. But Josh Downs is also, if I haven't seen it already, he's going to go to the NFL draft. Um, do you think that May is making the right decision returning to Calif- to North Carolina when the rumors were he could go to Ohio State, Alabama, potentially Georgia? Did he make the right decision staying at UNC, Chris? How much money is he getting from UNC? That I mean, that'll t- that'll give me the answer. Um, if I was a potential top five quarterback in the NFL draft, I probably would be leaving. But I like I actually don't like Phil Longo. I think he's fine. I think he's a little overrated for what he is. I don't like this North Carolina team. I I talked about it maybe a couple months ago, how they've been like incredibly bad with the recruits that they've done. They have like top 15 classes in like three straight years and have been crap. They haven't developed anyone. Like they hit on Sam Howell and they hit on Drake May and that can disguise a lot of issues. It's kind of what's going on in Clemson right now um, where you have a bunch of, well, they've developed a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think it's fine that May stayed. I don't think his stock is going to go down per se, but I think that it could have been like contending for quarterback one rather than a clear quarterback two and more like borderline top 10 pick. I just don't think that upside is there at North Carolina currently, depending on who they bring. Maybe he's office coordinator. I would have really liked to see him in a different offense. Yeah. I, I think I don't hate the decision to stay. Like a lot of the talk is obviously Alabama because he was originally committed there before. I believe it was they signed Bryce young. He ends up decommitting goes to North Carolina. He'd be running, at least based on right now, obviously the, the rosters could change. If he were to go to Alabama, he'd be doing the exact same thing he was doing at North Carolina. That's running for his life and trying to do everything he can to make a play. We saw Bryce Young doing that this year. That offensive line right now is likely not going to get that much better. I know Alabama's got a couple guys possibly coming in this recruiting class. I don't know if those guys are going to step up and be great against SEC defenses year one. At least with that, Drake May doesn't have to get his ass kicked every single week by these SEC defenses. Like, I do agree with what you're saying, Mox. If he were to go to Alabama, if he were to go to Georgia, that likely raises his draft stock because we see that these NFL GMs just over, at least in my opinion, overvalue the SEC with what we're seeing with Will Levis. But I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think there's a lot of other factors that go into this. His dad is a UNC legend as well. I'm sure that had a little bit to play in it. You mentioned the money part of it. I'm sure there is an NIL thing in there as well. He has a chance to win the ACC next year because that conference is not good. It's going to be between probably them and Clemson. Does Alabama not have a chance to win the SEC next year? Like, that's what, like, don't you think that Saban uh, I mean, would get it together? Maybe. Don't you think that the skill position players there at Alabama would be? What skill position players? They don't have any. Like, you're, we're talking about, I, I mean, I know we're having a debate here on what Malik Benson will be, but who in the portal are they bringing in because they just lost two of the best players in the portal in JoJo Who are we going to count on at, who are we going to count on at North Carolina? That's what I'm, like, that's what I'm saying. But that, oh, I understand that, but you're not talking, the competition level is a lot different, so that doesn't matter. You're going into the SEC with possibly bad position players around you and you're expecting Drake May to do everything. Or he's already shown he can do that at UNC with just Josh Downs. I don't know that they're bad position players. Those are I've, the guys that they're going to rely on were were freshmen this year. They're going to have a year of development, a year of spring camp, or a year of of being in the system. I think that yeah. Alabama as a program is 
much better situated I'm not to elevate a quarterback than, than UNC will be in 2023. Alabama is a great program, but what, in my opinion, what you're doing right now is what the media has done all year, and they're overinflating how bad this Alabama team is and has been. They're not a good team. And everybody's just expecting because it's Nick Saban to just snap his fingers and they're going to be right back to undefeated competing. We're not talking about Alabama not a good team, in a vacuum. Though. We're talking about Alabama in comparison to North Carolina. Team. I shouldn't say fourth. They're probably the third best team in the SEC right now, which is not going to get it done compared to you're being uh, arguably the best team in the ACC with him at quarterback. Like, you have a chance to win a conference championship and possibly go to the playoffs is my argument. You're right. Yeah, Alabama could turn it around, and they could do that. They still got to get through Georgia. They don't have UNC, Georgia in the ACC. UNC just got mud-stomped by uh, Clemson, and Clemson okay. is going to have a better quarterback situation next year. We think. Yes, we do. Yes, we think he's going to have. they're going to have a better quarterback situation. It's actually okay. the quarterback that just killed them last week. Yeah, he's the one who did all the damage. I watched. So, yeah, it's, actually, it's actually that guy. Yeah, he <laughs> gets a whole other season of reps to do that again. So, Austin, it's a weaker conference. Did, I think he's going to be better. Better off staying there. Did Did Drake May right, make the right decision not entering the transfer portal, Austin? I think no. I actually also don't know that this is necessarily the end of things. It's still very early in the offseason to be making any sort of definitive decisions on anything from anybody about you think, you think you're anything. Not, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, realistically, at the end of the day, what what, what UNC fans are going to be upset with them? Oh, no, the horror. Um, I have a hard time believing if he was actually looking for money or success that UNC would have been the final stop. I don't know exactly how much stuff, like – Jordan and all that kind of stuff, like if that, like what, what their NIL base is. Um, uh, but I'd assume it's not as much as a lot of the other places that that I would presume he could end up. Um, Michael Jordan's pretty stingy, he is no Phil Knight. I will say, I will say that in terms when it comes to, I don't know if like Jordan body. brand was like plugged in or any, like you know, like you know, through Nike. Like, I, I didn't know if there was any sort of that arrangement. Um, well, I mean, the fact I, that I, Mac Brown came out and said that they can't compete with the offers he was getting tells me that they can't compete with the offers that he was getting. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah if, he, Mac if, Brown he's serious, if he's serious about like winning anything or, or, or quite frankly, like locking himself in is almost a guaranteed pick. I think UNC is a bad right. spot for him. Uh, but the thing is, their schedule is so bad. I'm looking at their schedule for next year right now. Sorry, Chris. They play South Carolina, App State, Minnesota, Campbell, Georgia Tech, NC State, Duke, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia, Clemson, and Pitt. Not exactly a murder's row. How many wins do you think? Uh, nine. I bet they still lose a couple of those games. They'll get crushed by Clemson. I think NC State could probably – like I think the other teams that could beat them, Minnesota, NC State, South Carolina. App State. Miami, they lost to App State like, this year. No, they didn't. They beat App State. Yeah, they beat App State. Barely. Yeah, it was like a huge. Oh, it was like fifty-five, forty-five, okay. or like it was. It was. They lost to Georgia Tech this year, though. They did that is true. They did. I mean, it's it's not a good team, and they're not going to be any better next year. They lose their second best player. I think that they are closer to a six and six team than they are nine and three team. I could see that. I think the bottom could fall out at UNC next year. They just lost a bunch of players to the portal on defense and like it is playmakers too. Fall out when Connor Harrell's having to start for North Carolina game one of the season next year. Ooh, triple paradise. I know that he just 
said that he's going back to UNC. <laughs> but what percentage chance would you put on him actually starting for UNC next year? Matt? 42%. 42%. I would go 65%. 65%. Austin? That he st- that is the percent that, that he stays. is the starter? Yeah, that he stays. I'd put it 50-50. I really would. No one, no one's believing uh, Drake May's. Uh, right? He Drake said, May's I'm, I'm staying. And everybody's like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> it also, uh, uh, that, that announcement almost to me seemed like as soon as Phil Longo was announced as the new offensive coordinator at Wisconsin and everyone was like, ooh, power struggle. And he's like, no, 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 no power struggle. I did not do this. No, no, no. And now, and then like in a couple of weeks, he could be like, actually, I talked to God. (laughs) That's just what that, like the timing of that. That is honestly what it felt like to me. He didn't want to be seen as a, uh, uh, a problem. Yeah. Yeah, After troublemaker. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. All right. Um, let's get into some NFL draft decisions, but before we do, I haven't said this in a long time. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Yes, Felix. Everyone's oh, out of practice. Shaking. They all just nodded. I was the only one who, yeah. Matt I was is supposed to say. I was, I was, I had my mic muted because I'm a professional and I was coughing. So I apologize. Yes, let's do it. Felix making all sorts of bodily noises into the I mic. I like that tailgate episode from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm with, trying to sneeze Colin. loudly into the mic like four of my co-hosts that morning. I was oh. trying to be professional. Oh. Heads rolled. Was that, that me week. or was that Colin who sneezed into the microphone? It was, it, Colin, it was Colin, and then and somebody Jared. else did it too. Jared yeah. was the other one. It was the same week that you had coughed or sneezed when we were. It was just yeah. us on Debbie Debate too. It was you. And, it was yeah, a, you and Mox on Debbie Debate. And you coughed. Like, it was oh, a bad did week I not for mute myself. And Mox was like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> bad week for bodily functions on the uh, camp scan feed. I definitely threw it to Chris at the beginning of this show, not seeing that Chris was nowhere to be found. Found. Before that five-minute intro, Chris was right there. But somewhere in that five-minute intro, Chris disappeared. I te- Hey, I texted you. My computer restarted. He doesn't look real, at his phone. He doesn't real, look at the yeah. private chat. I'm, 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 I'm trying to It's not on the hard copy piece of paper right in front of him. He has no idea what's I'm gonna, going on. I'll fax you next time. No. We just what, hear the- what somebody should do is put a <laughs> note in the <laughs> intro to the show on the show sheet. Say, oh, this thing changed as you're mentally trying to get ready to, for the show to start. Got to carry a pigeon. Um, Makes sense. I got to come up with a time just, zone pun, an, so an do, adjective. Do you just use one screen like for everything? What do you come mean do now. I use one screen? Come like on Where, now, where are you on, looking actually. when you're doing the initial thing? Like you're I, have, your I have three tabs stuff, up. Right? I have three tabs up. but I have How many monitors screen. do you have? One monitor. It's one. I mean, you what? can like split screen it so you like yeah. see. Oh, just what the show everybody show. else does. Like well, when I'm doing better sports, I, I have. I don't know how to do that. I do not know one. how to do that. Yeah. Got my two. We're, we're all set. We're behind the scenes big time today. We have to put a seizure warning on this episode I'm, for I'm not, anybody watching on YouTube. I'm not doing that. I have one laptop, and that's what I use for everything. I'm not split screening anything. That does all not right. surprise me in any way. <laughs> He's like, what cord? Also, I don't even know what cord to use to do that. But yeah. how do I how do I plug that? I'm also, on a, I'm also I'm also on a desktop using AOL dial up. Um, 
All right. Uh, Anthony Richardson, if I gave you pick 15 and a half, Matt, you're going over or under? In the NFL draft. In the NFL draft. Wait, does that mean you're going pick one through 15 or pick 16? That's what I'm I'm assuming over means past pick 15. I think he's a first-round pick, but I do think he goes past pick 15, so 16 or beyond. Okay. Do you want to elaborate on why? Uh, because I, I don't necessarily – well, actually – You know I, what? I don't want to get you in trouble again for talking is, about Anthony Richardson. I do believe the stuff do you, that came are you out sure? Wait, that are you sure? Wait, are you sure? Are you sure? A year or two-year project. Uh, he has, as we talked about the tools, he is extremely good athletically. He's going to be one of the best athletes the minute he steps on the NFL field. But we saw he's better than Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, so I'm not comparing him to those two. But those two were considered uh, players that had needed time to develop. They went in the third round. Anthony Richardson has better tools and is more special than both of them. So I do think someone takes a shot on him in the first round, but I don't think it's within the top 15 picks. I think it's one of these teams with multiple picks. that's going to let him fall a little bit and then take him later or possibly even trade back up into the first round around like the 20 range to grab him. I personally would be very surprised if they take him that early again, we're seeing Will Levis is being mocked as one, one. So I wouldn't be surprised at this point if Richardson goes one, three, I would imagine he goes later in the draft. It's still a first-round pick, but goes later than pick 15. I've asked these questions before, and I need to remember, like, explaining over. So, un- Austin, under, pick one through 15, and then over, pick 16 through 32. You're going over or under? I, I think he's later. I'm going to use later. As yeah, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he goes later than that. Not by a lot, but I do think – and we're going to talk about Will Levis here in a second. But, like, do you guys remember – like, the, the discussion for everybody is, like, like you just hear all these NFL GMs are talking about this guy. You know, they said the same thing about Malik Willis at this time yeah. last year, too, guys. The narrative was that there's no way that he falls out of the first couple picks, that GMs were just enamored with everything he could do, and he had such these all these great tools. And then he fell to the third round. Like, we can't – just because Mel Kuyper is saying it at this time of year – or, or other people on ESPN or whatever are saying it's time of year does not mean that that is actionable, actual information that they're actually receiving. And if it is, are they, re- are they actually getting that information in good faith? Like is the person feeding it to them, giving it to them with the sole purpose of trying to, you know, hype up a guy that they have no interest in early. So I, I think that he goes later and I actually think that Levis goes late. I think they both go after that pick 15.5. I, I think they both fall. Mox. I Mox froze. Oh no, I I was just reading something. Um, I think it goes over. I I don't think he's going to go in the top sixteen picks. Um, although if you look at the Vegas odds, he has the eighth highest odds to be selected at. Uh, yeah, the eighth highest odds to be selected at pick number one in the draft. That tells me that it's it's possible. Um, he's going to test really well, but I just. I tend to buy the stuff too that Matt was talking about that he's more than a year away and a team will take a chance on him because he's a project in the first round. Don't know the team's going to spend a top 15 pick on him. I find that hard to believe, but there might be another quarterback that they do spend a top 15 pick on. That would be a mistake. I think that he's going to be picked earlier than pick 15. And I don't think that he would have declared for the draft if he didn't believe that he was going to be or got some advice that he was going to be a top 15 pick. The current 
uh, NFL draft orders. Houston at number one, Chicago at two, Seattle at three. Chicago's obviously not going to take a quarterback. Houston is. It's going to be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Seattle, do you take a quarterback if you're Seattle? Do you ride with I think they're happy with Geno. They've also got two picks, which is another reason why I think he falls farther. You've got multiple teams in this draft with two picks in this draft. You, I don't nope. think they take Anthony Richardson early. They let it go for well, him and take him later. They get the more solidified prospect that helps them right now because Richardson is a down-the-line player. It's going to be Detroit. I, I, so I, Detroit honestly, also where I has two goes, picks. I honestly think he goes to Detroit. And and Mr. Waldman thinks that he would be a good fit in Detroit, and he thinks that Dan Campbell would like him. Detroit needs a quarterback. Carolina at six oh, I don't needs think a Dan quarterback. Campbell will be there anymore, but I think – no, he will. He will. Uh, Detroit needs a quarterback. Carolina at six needs a quarterback. Philadelphia at five. That's ridiculous that Philadelphia has a number five pick. They're going to win the Super Bowl with the number five pick in the draft. Um, Arizona at eight does not. Jacksonville at seven does not. I know I'm reading these out of order. Indianapolis and Atlanta at nine and ten. Both of those teams need quarterbacks. I think that he's going to go in the top ten. I really do. I really do. I think that he's complete a completely different player from Malik Willis. And if you haven't already, I can man, I mentioned Mr. Waldman, Matt Waldman. Go to his YouTube page and watch his 22-minute video on Anthony Richardson's field or excuse me, pocket presence. I think that you'll be encouraged um, by some things that Matt points out there. You are a fan of of Anthony Richardson. All right, uh, Matt. Same question for Will Levis. Earlier or later than pick 15 and a half for Will Levis? I do think he's going to go earlier. I don't think he should. The reason I think he will is because there's too many players, not two players, I'm sorry, too many people within the NFL draft circles making excuses for why he was bad this year. And I think that is a serious thing that they believe. We've seen that with other players where they've sat there and said, oh, well, you know, he was injured, bad offensive line, no weapons. That's why he was bad. But if you go look at what he did in 2021, he was a top quarterback. I know last year, last year was really the only year we have not seen them draft a lot of quarterbacks in the first round. I think it is fair to say that while Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, again, are projects, neither one of those guys has the quote unquote upside tools that Will Levis has. I still think GMs overthink this more often than we do. Like, and, and again, I'm not a general manager. I am doing a podcast. I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to draft players. Those guys get it wrong just as often as we do. So like, I get what Austin's point was just a minute ago. Like, A lot of these guys are fed bad information. They are. We, there's rumors that certain people in the draft circles are paid to highly tout players to hope help their draft capital. So I could be dead wrong on this, but I really think for whatever reason, this the the NFL draft people just seem to love Will Levis and his quote unquote tools, and I think he will go early because the other thing I think we're discounting here a little bit is we could be looking at a serious loss of quarterbacks at the end of this year. Jimmy G's not coming back anytime soon. They Matt said he might Sta- be back at the end of the season. Just yeah, he doesn't need surgery. He's going to be okay. Back. I didn't see that. I thought yeah. he was going to be. He okay, said like so, seven but, weeks, maybe. So Jimmy G's coming back. That's fine. But Matt Stafford, he may be retiring with all this stuff going on with him. Tom Brady may be done. Aaron Rodgers may be done. We've got all the Marcus Mariota might not be the starter at Atlanta anymore. We may be all of a sudden sitting here when we came into the season saying, now. Oh, 
this 2023 class, you really only need Bryce Young and CJ Stroud because there's not going to be that many holes. It's starting to look like we could see a lot more teams who need quarterbacks. And outside of Jimmy G, if he is healthy, who's the other veteran you're betting on? Because I agree with what Austin said about Seattle. They're probably keeping Geno. You really going to go and sign Baker Mayfield to be your quarterback right now? No, you're probably going to take a rookie and go and run with that and see what happens. So I do think Will Levis goes earlier than pick 15. And let's not forget, Hendon Hooker is injured. Michael Penix Jr. went back to um, to to school. Like the depth of this 2023 class has taken a little bit of a hit. Austin, you got a earlier or later than pick 15 and a half for Will Levis. I think he goes later. There's only one team that I think would take him before that. The wait, Colts. wait, before. Oh, shit, I was going to say before you, gonna you I was going to say, let's guess. I was going to say, everybody go ahead and guess, but go ahead. that's not who I would have guessed. I would have guessed Carolina. I think the Colts are the only team that would consider taking him um, because the Colts have never been particularly good at hiding their intentions leading up to the draft. And a bunch of people are already saying that the Colts love Will Levis. They're the only team that I think will take him there. I think anybody else will pass. So if the Colts that, don't take him, then I think if the Colts don't take him, I think he drops out of the first round. I that's really assuming do. Assuming Chris Ballard's still there, though, he could be fired. They already let go of. Uh, I already forgot his name. He sucked, anyways. Frank Reich. They already let go of Frank Reich. Like I think Chris Ballard could be fired during this offseason. That's true. Yeah. Earlier or later, Mox. Then fifteen and a half for Will Levis in the NFL draft. Earlier. There are some dumb teams picking in the top 10. One of them is going to bite them. I've seen the same things that Austin has seen about Indianapolis. I've seen that Dave Tepper, the Carolina Panthers owner, is enamored yes. with Will Levis, obsessed with what? him. I just don't I just don't get it. I don't see it, but I mean, I think he's going top 10. I really do. And I just, it's going to be Daniel Jones all over again. Do you guys want to hear a hot take about Will Levis? I think he's going to disappoint people at the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to struggle. At the I don't think goal. he goes. Did he accept the invite already? I don't know, but I think he should skip it. He, no, he, he has to go. I think he, no, he if has you're to a, go. If you're a quarterback and you're really? invited, you have to go. It's so not a request. It's a demand. Just pretend you're injured. Thing, We've seen quarterbacks go there and they're going, they're going to make excuses for him. If he does, if there's bad weather, they'll say it's the weather. They didn't they'll about make- Malik Willis last year. Yeah, but all, that the, all the GMs <laughs> afterward basically said that Malik Willis looked like crap, and that he was like th- that was the word that came out, except for like two yeah. people who were like, "Oh, we looked great," and those people are people that I don't trust right anything at all. The difference with those two is though, about. That's the best yes, part. we all know who you're talking about. The thing with that is, Will Levis, fair or unfair, and I, I do think it is fair to say he is perceived to be a better talent than Malik Willis, though. So you're going to give him a little bit more slack than you did of Malik Willis, at least in my opinion. I don't know that he goes out there and disappoints. He's not I don't gonna think that he can go out there and have like a Vanderbilt performance at the Senior Bowl. Right, but against... I don't think – so the thing with him that I honestly think could happen, I almost guarantee you he goes and he just does like the interviews, shows leadership stuff, and doesn't do that much actual throwing and everything, and he'll blame it on the turf toe. That's what I would do if I'm him. Because you already look at him and you say he's got all the arm talent in the world. So you just sit there and say, I can't. I just got my turf surgery on my toe. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, but I'm going to show up and be that team guy. Going to show that leadership. And then that is going to vault him up. So like, God, look at this guy. Showed up, toughing it out. Leadership. Amazing guy. Look at that face of a quarterback. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to matter. I think you can do that at any position but quarterback. 
I don't think you can do that at the Senior Bowl. We haven't seen a guy uh, attempt that and come out well doing it at all. I, I don't I know. I think it's tough. We see him do it all the time at the Combine, and I'm told the Combine matters more than the Senior Bowl. We see those guys show up at the Combine all the time, not throw, not do anything but do interviews, and it never hurts them. Will, you want to hear the truth about Will Levis? Yes. I can't, I can't handle the truth. NFL general managers love a confident, good-looking white guy who looks good in shorts. <laughs> that's the truth about NFL general managers, and that's why Will Levis is a top-ten pick. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> Just saying. Um. All right. All right. Uh, some other NFL draft decisions. Kayshawn Boutte, Austin, um, decides that he's going back to school. Kayshawn Boutte has never had more than 740 yards receiving a season. He averaged just 12.2 yards per catch this season, had 538 yards receiving. He had two games with 100 yards, with over 100 yards, in nine with less than 52 yards receiving this season going back to lsu is Keyshawn boutte a fraud austin the word that i would use to describe felix sharp is provocative he's a provocateur who said that earlier in the show it wasn't about felix sharp um no and i i really it was felix question. talking about Dion smith so oh, was, yeah yeah um I, I i hate i hate this question so much um no, I think he's still a great player. Um, I think in terms of talent, he's just as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. I really, really do. I don't think there's any significant difference between the two in terms of NFL prospects. They're going to come out next year. I want to see. I'm hoping that that Jaden Daniels is done there, that it's Garrett Nussmeyer, because look how good Keishon Boutte was. Surprise, surprise, when he had like a real quarterback actually throwing him the ball night and day. I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think he can do anything you want out of a modern wide receiver. Um, so no, he's not a fraud. Um, I, 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 I think a thousand yards is definitely in the, in the cards. Yes. Express 98. So for those of you listening, uh, he, uh, commented in the chat, Butte reminds me of Olave randomly going back to school. I'm going to reference that as I talked about this, I was lucky enough to join Adam and Mike on 40 chess last night in Austin. You'll be proud of me. I actually took Butte over Marvin Harrison jr. I said that I believe he's the better wide receiver as much as I do love Marvin Harrison jr. Chris Olave, there was a lot of misreported facts on why he went back to school. He got a second to third round draft capital, said, I'm going to prove you guys wrong, goes back to school, did not have a good season. I think we it was okay. We did not have the season probably he thought he was going to hope for. Turns around, though, and gets that first round draft capital, which is all that matters. I think the same thing's going on right now with Boutte. I honestly don't believe he was fully healthy. I think some of that bad body language we saw early on, sure, was some of the fact that his head coach didn't even know what his name was, which is embarrassing. But at the same time, like we don't know what the injury was. We were told it was possibly a broken ankle. There's still rumors that he tore his Achilles. I don't know that he was fully healthy, but he looked a whole lot damn better these past four games than he did earlier in this season. If he comes out and is able to smash next year, he'll be a first-round pick. And I think that's the only reason he is coming back right now because he believes in himself and he thinks he can do it. And I do think there's probably some NIL money in their form as well, which is just sweetens the pot now for these players coming back to to play one more year in college football. As long as he does not get hurt, which I pray to God that doesn't happen, that is a risk you take coming back to school. I think he's going to be a first round pick next year. I think he's going to remind everybody what we seem to have forgotten since he got injured in his sophomore season. 
Mox, Kayshawn Boutte had nine games with less, less than 52 yards receiving this season. Is he a fraud? No, he's not a fraud. He's a good player. I don't necessarily... I, I think he came back to school because of the NIL situation. Like, I think LSU just ponied up for him. I don't think that was a bad call. It seems like that he got substantially happier as the season went. He had a, maybe repaired his relationship with Brad Kelly a little bit. Um, I don't remember who brought it up, but he also had a kid in the middle of the season too. Like that, that kind of takes a toll on anyone, let alone a football player in, who was also balancing school. So, you know, I want to give him a pretty big pass for this season, to be honest. Uh, Austin and, and Matt, I have th- this question for you. I think I really understand what Marvin Harrison Jr. is good at in college and what he could be asked to do uh, in the NFL. I mean, he's a back shell. He's a wall that can catch the football. That's how I would describe Marvin Harrison Jr. Similar to the spectrum of player, including Jamar Chase on one end, probably the highest end. Mike Williams is on that spectrum. Uh, how would you describe Kayshawn Boutte and, and what do you expect him to be asked to do at the NFL level next, in 2024, I guess. So just using the same comparison that I used last night with Adam, and I did, I saw, I said that Marvin Harrison's highest upside is probably Jamar Chase. I think Kayshawn Boutte is closer to his higher upside, which is Justin Jefferson. I hate to do the helmet to helmet scout there. Like, I think that's what he can be. I, I, there, I don't think there's a massive separation between the two. Said last night, if you, if you were to tell me you have Marvin Harrison at one, I don't think that's wrong. But I think what Kayshawn Boutte, I just think Kayshawn Boutte can do more at the wide receiver position, can be moved all around that offense. I don't see that out of Marvin Harrison. So that's what, for me, gives Boutte that slight edge ahead of Marvin Harrison because I believe he can do anything and everything on the field, and that will make him more successful at the NFL level. As it's, pre- it's, t- oh, go ahead. it's tough to find a guy to comp him to, but I honestly think – if you're looking at kind of just receivers that are playing in the NFL today, a guy that he reminds that, that he reminds me the most of, it's actually Devontae Adams. And think about what Devontae Adams was early in his career. He was not the route running god that he is now, but he was a very good player. He had all those same tools, very similar size. Adams is listed at 6'1, 215. Boutte is six foot two oh five, but they kind of have that same like broad, kind of thicker upper body, but they're like deceptively like much more athletic than that. Um, and I think Devonte, the thing that like really just sets him apart is that he is like, he, he could play in the slot. He can play, you know, on the boundary, he can win short intermediate or deep. And we've seen that throughout his career. Like he's functioned in virtually every role. He's kind of a Swiss army knife. You could plug him into any offense and he would function, you know, maybe not this, like the level of play would be the same. It wouldn't drop off at all. I really think that Keishon Boutte is that kind of a guy. He can play anywhere across the formation. He can play anywhere. You know, uh, he, he can beat teams deep. He can beat you shallow. We saw that explosiveness. Looks like it's back on that touchdown he scored last week where he kind of caught that intermediate ball across the middle and then was gone. Like, that's just the kind of player that Boutte is right now. I think if he gets some of that explosiveness back, it looks like he is. I, I think he's a slam dunk kind of guy. Like, he, he's not, like, super physical, He's not super finesse. He's somewhere in between those. He's just, he's very much a Swiss army knife at wide receiver. I just love his game. Would you trade Quinshawn Judkins for Kayshawn Boutte? Yes. I would, understanding that I can probably get Boutte plus for him, which I don't is what think I would. Would We were talking about this, Felix. Judkins' price right now 
is ridiculous. I think you can sell him for so much right now. Price of brick going up. I I have so much Judkins, and I've been turned down for some ch- trades. Uh, what let's say in a campus camp league a crossover trade NFL NCAA. Um, would you trade DJ Moore for uh, Keishon Butte? I would. I'm done waiting for DJ Moore. Yeah, I'm fine with it. They're like the same player. I think I think Keishon yeah. Butte or DJ Moore. But, but why not? Why not take the re-roll because DJ Moore hasn't been able to do it in the NFL. At least you and have. And if the Panthers oh. do take Will Levis, like yeah, for yeah, four years, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll use DJ yeah. Moore on all the bubble screens that they used Wandale Robinson on uh, at, at Kentucky. Maybe they'll they'll use DJ Moore that way because that's how DJ Moore was used at Maryland. Um, go ahead, Mox. No, I was just going to say I'd, I'd rather have Keishon Boutte than DJ Moore, but they're pretty similar players, at least in my opinion. Not a fraud, says the group. Not a fraud. I need to get a, a, another microphone um, because I yell too much. I yell too much, and this microphone can't handle it. Uh, Jackson Smith in Jigba, another, uh, has had some NFL draft. I don't know. Icky around him. Um, let's, let's have Todd McShay set this discussion up for us. Uh, Matt, whenever you're ready, go ahead and play that audio. The NFL scouts would love to see him play. And there are a lot of reports from NFL scouts I've talked to said he's healthy enough to play and he's protecting himself for the draft. And I've got, I got news for every prospect out there. NFL teams know. They know what you had for lunch last Thursday. They're going to know whether you're healthy or not. And if you're healthy enough to play, you need to, you need to be out there with your teammates to play. I'm not saying it's going to hurt his draft stock. I mean, we saw Derek Stingley last year, you know, injuries and, and opting out and, and all of that, and he still was a number three overall pick. But the difference is with Jackson Smith and, Jig- and Jigba, he is like a late first, early second rounder. He's a great college player, great slot receiver, but he has some drops. He doesn't have exceptional size. He doesn't have exceptional speed. So there are some things that coming into the year, after the great season he had, the scouts were pointing to saying, I'm not sure that he's a lock to go like top 15, top 20. And so now the fact that he's not playing certainly isn't going to help his cause. Matt, quitter, fake injury. Not special size, not special athleticism. Not my words. I'm summarizing what Todd McShay has said. How would you react to uh, those sentiments? Um. So ESPN has this just thing where they love to just latch on to, at least in my opinion, these just fake, false, made-up narratives and then just runs with it the entire draft season. We saw it with Justin Fields not really knowing how to break down film and being kind of not a leader and and, and maybe a little bit lazy. And then Mel Kuyper was the one who came out and did that. That laziness stuff, and that was uh, absolutely offensive because we've watched Justin Fields since he was – in high school and that is not him but questioning a player's injury is offensive to me as well you could say that if he never tried to get back on the field the dude tried twice this season to get back on the field and they got pulled back off throwing his helmet down on the sideline yep that seems like a guy who's trying to preserve his draft stock he's really mad that ryan day pulled him out of this game it's it's i'm trying to help alfred out with the clean stuff it's stupid it's beyond stupid. It's the dumbest crap I've ever heard. Like, I, I just don't understand it. And I get the, if you want to question his draft capital thing, we've heard that all year, right? That, that he may not be this top 15 pick that we thought he was going to be coming into the year. That's fine. 
But then to say that the dude struggles with drops, he's had six his entire college career. The hell are you talking about struggled with drops? Six his entire college career. He struggles with drops. He's he's an okay, he, he's a slot wide receiver. Yeah, okay. Well, that's all we've seen him do at the at the the college level. Doesn't mean he can't be more than that. Like I just I hate the questioning of his toughness and oh, NFL GM say he's gotta be out there because they know that he can play. How the hell do you know he can play? Does, does one of you guys his trainer? Are you sitting there with him as he he got ready to do uh rehab this morning? Yeah, he's just rehabbing to rehab. F it. I'm just going to go in there and rehab for no reason. It's, I, I hate this crap. I don't know why that they do this for somebody. It's always one or two players every single offseason. They drive these narrators on. It was Kyler Murray a couple years ago, with, which, I mean, that's a whole different story. But they said the same things about him. Like They pick this well, one player or two players every single year, and they just drive these narratives. Also, I guarantee you we will hear about this 20, 30, 40, 50 more times leading into the draft. First day of draft coverage, we'll be sitting there. If JSN falls past pick 15, well, you know, it's because he's probably not that tough, guys. He, he sat out his entire junior year. He didn't practice. He could play. We know it. We're his doctors. We have the MRIs. It's stupid. I, I'm just going to cuss. I fucking hate it. It drives me insane. I'm, I am I just, it's dumb. And I'm not going to say Todd McShave would be fired, but he should be ashamed of himself for going on national media on ESPN and saying that crap. Uh, Austin, before I throw this to you, co-founder Alfred Fernandez here at Campus to Canton has advocated for us to, you know, to try to get the explicit off of our podcast feed. There's only one person who cusses like regularly on our, on our feed. And it ain't me. It ain't Is Chris. It, it ain't Austin. I apologize. I'm an emotional person. I'll remove myself from podcasts. I did forward. say cheeks earlier. I don't know. I guess you could say that. <laughs> I don't think that's explicit, know. though. Cheeks. Austin, you've defended um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. What is your reaction to what Todd McShay is saying about him? Yeah, I'll go to my grave defending him. And I think Matt kind of covered the stuff in terms of, you know, them just making stuff up uh, around the fringes uh, of the narrative. So I, I just want to take this in a slightly different direction. We are not the NFL. We don't necessarily like J the knock on JSN is going to be that he is probably a slot only guy, whatever. I, we don't know if that's true or not. That's all he's done in college. And that, you know, therefore he's not this NFL alpha that like teams have to game plan around. Like we don't care. We want guys that are going to be high volume, like target monsters, like fulfill a certain role in an NFL roster. Like the NFL is about to do the same exact thing that they did with Amon Ross St. Brown with him, probably to a lesser degree because he was at on a better team with a better quarterback and, and, and showcased uh, a little better that way. They're going to do the same exact thing. He's going to be a very, very good NFL player. Like, is he Jamar Chase, like from a talent perspective? No, but he might do just as well as him in fantasy because he's going to get 150 targets a year. For the next eight years, and like assuming health, like that's just what the player that he is. So I don't understand all of a sudden why people are down on him. And I guess it's the disconnect between like fantasy and kind of looking at things through that lens. Whereas, yeah, maybe he'll never be an alpha that you're, you know, you're not putting two guys on him like you did with Calvin Johnson at the line of scrimmage or, or, you know, in, in the red zone, you don't have to dedicate all these defenders to defending him, but we don't care. I I like at Jackson Smith and Jigba fine as a player. The the problem that I have that you all keep saying is that he's going to be somebody who commands 150 targets. He does that in Ohio State's offense. That does not mean that's how he's going to be deployed um, in the NFL. We just saw this with Elijah Moore, a similar style of player, at least position wise, and has not been deployed that way. The Jets. 
Austin for making funny faces. He, he's the thing is he's going to go a lot earlier than Elijah Moore, and he's a much better prospect than Elijah Moore was. I I, I think a team, that's, a, a team that drafts him at twenty first overall is taking that, him to play the Cooper Cup role, the the Amon Ra St. Brown, the the um um uh, what's his name the, for the Chargers, um, Keenan Allen. Chargers? Keenan Allen. Thank you. Like that's just the kind of guy he is. Like that that's what he's going to do in the NFL. Whether whether he does it as a rookie or not, I don't know. But like he, he will he will be that kind of player. Mox, any thoughts on JS JSN? Nothing that hasn't been said already. Um, just the Todd McShay shut the f up challenge. Just can we? Can, is that really? a hashtag? That's too. That's too. That's too long for a hashtag. Todd McShay, Todd McShay shut SDFU the f up challenge. challenge. Okay. Trying to keep it clean on the on the feed. For those who are just joining us for the first time today or in the recent weeks, we used to do a very structured show, more similar to what we're doing tonight. We freestyled a little bit through the season, just trying to see what works. But when we first started this show, we would end the show with parting shots, very similar to uh, the sports reporters. There are no ideas that are original, at least from (laughs) from the the ideas that I've had. And so we're coming back to that with parting shots. Um, Matt, why don't you start start us off and uh, let's go. All right. So doctors, air traffic controllers, the military and college football players all have one thing in common, and that's their jobs demand perfection. You see, in this 14 playoff air and even in the BCS, the only way to guarantee a spot to compete for a national championship and complete your dream is being perfect. Makes total sense, right? Asking a collection of 20-something-year-old kids to be perfect every single Saturday, put it all together, not make a single mistake. Can't have a misstep. Can't have an injury, because if you lose that one game, your entire dream can be taken away from you from a bunch of 40-year-old men who are trying to gatekeep this sport. Most of these kids have given up and sacrificed more than we even know, including the things that their families give up for an opportunity to win a conference championship, win a national championship, and move on to the NFL. There is literally no other sport in the world that demands this kind of perfection Not a single one. Yet some of you are going to come out here and complain about a 12-team playoff and use the woe is me, you're ruining my viewing experience because this game doesn't matter as much to me and what I am watching. I don't give a damn about what you want to watch. I care about what these players are trying to do, and that is complete their dreams and win a national championship. We haven't always gotten the best team winning the national championship, yet we still choose to celebrate those teams in the national championships that they've won. So I'm here for giving you a shot, the player, and understanding that everyone has a bad day, and in 2024, that bad day is not going to cost you at least a chance to accomplish your dream. Because at the end of the day, allowing 9% of your overall sport into a playoff, which is still less than any other sport that competes for a title in this way, The stakes will still be the same in every game. They will still matter because college football is just different. I, for one, stand with the players and getting their shot over the woe-is-me crowd crying about their viewing experience. 2024-2025 can't get here soon enough. I got one. And this is the first one I've ever partaken in, actually. By the way, I think that this was a thing before I I had joined. 
So don't want to get canceled on here. But late stage capitalism, defined in this case as gross inequity and absurdities that are driving wealth accumulation at the top, an idea that's really come about post-World War II, has hit a crescendo within the last decade, and you see it entering common discourse repeatedly. It was on display again last Saturday. Mind you, millions are being poured into these championship games at different cities. Los Angeles, with a rising homelessness population. Atlanta, which is seeing the increase. Drug trafficking and drug use sets the backdrop as these cities try to remove eyesore populations through unsavory means. And it's something similar is going on in Qatar and the you know, FIFA World Cup. You get the point. Inside these stadiums, we have the Dr. Pepper Halftime Challenge. Two individuals could be head-to-head to win $100,000 to see could go towards college. Cost tuition is outpacing the rise of inflation by 4.6 times over the last 50 years, according to school economist Scott Winstead. The, this halftime event, televised and with commentary generally provided from either the halftime crew or the announcers, Prospective students do whatever they can to get these footballs into a giant Dr. Pepper can. This includes chess passes, because what is a tight spiral when six figures are truly at stake? The students compete in a gross display of entertainment by late-stage capitalism that has made going to college not only difficult, but prohibitive for most families and individuals. For 30 seconds every single year across the country, two kids are pitted against each other, to, in some cases, define the next decades of their lives. All of this happens while people on Twitter, people and announcers, mock and poke fun at the chess passing, while the real issue is why the hell are these kids competing in the first place to go to school or face at minimum life-crushing debt for the next few decades of their life. In Atlanta, we saw a tie in this game. The crowd booed Dr. Pepper challenge and dr pepper itself for awarding only one check despite going to double overtime and a tie hilariously these are rounding errors for a company like dr pepper who is an 11.6 billion dollar company part of the nasdaq 100 this doesn't end with dr pepper challenge and i won't pretend it's not a smaller issue it's not it's not a huge issue in the grand scale of things but it's a microcosm of capitalist absurdity after a true Hunger Games-like competition consisting of throwing footballs into giant soda cans, we should look at ourselves in the mirror and ask if this is troubling at all. What is worse, a chess pass or this display? Although he couldn't quite finish the season the way he wanted, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix undoubtedly rehabbed his image and potentially his draft stock this season. After three underwhelming years at Auburn, marred by poor offensive line play, a lack of weapons at the skill positions, and a ton of poor coaching decisions, Nix was truly unlocked with the Ducks. A lot of this credit should go to offensive coordinator Kelly Dillingham, who had previously worked with him for a year at Auburn and actually aided him uh, in his best season to date. And also credit to Dan Lanning for identifying a player with the tools to succeed, and kudos to them for ignoring the noise surrounding him. Unlike his time at Auburn, Oregon surrounded Knicks with competent wide receiver play. Shocker, a deep stable of capable running backs and an offensive line that has consistently graded as one of the best in the country. Knicks rewarded this belief with a season that no one could have imagined. Knicks passed for 3,300 yards through the air, 27 touchdowns to only six interceptions. 
and added another 500 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground. The guy even caught a touchdown pass, which we jokingly uh, played his prop the one week on one of our shows. So, I mean, the guy did it all this year. Last offseason, drafters who took too long to select in our Campus to Canton mock drafts were threatened with a Bo Nix selection. I bet most of them wish we'd gone ahead and done it at this point. Nix is a great reminder of how much landing spot and surroundings can impact the development of college athletes, not just quarterbacks. For every great player that has overcome bad circumstance, a dozen more have faltered. Most may have fallen short anyway. We'll honestly never really know. Regardless, remember Bo Nix when speculating on the decision on the destination of another former five-star quarterback who entered the portal this week. Like Nix, this player was let down by many around him in his initial school, including his wide receivers and ultimately his coaching staff. The transfer portal can be a mixed bag, let's be completely honest, but for players like Nix, it's a great chance to resuscitate NFL dreams. And since dude DJ Uyunglele is a West Coast kid, and Nix's former offensive coordinator is looking for a new reclamation project. I'm just saying. His persona is loud. He's brash and generally seeking attention for himself. He's alluded to being anointed by God himself to fix things. He's unconventional. And before his previous job, he had virtually no experience in the position on this kind of stage. He's a galvanizer and his supporters are just as ardent as his detractors. But are we talking about a football coach or the 45th president of the United States? Say what you want about Deion Sanders, but he is a coach with his own orbit, with his own atmosphere, like Nick Saban or Lincoln Riley. However, those coaches in their primes have taken jobs at established institutions with rich history, while Prime has planted his flag in Jackson, Mississippi and Boulder, Colorado, places as far from college football epicenters as you could get. For that reason... Coach Prime has an opportunity to make much more of an impact in Colorado than perhaps Saban has in Tuscaloosa or Sarkeesian in Austin or Day in Columbus. Undoubtedly, vendors can expect more traffic at the Boulder Farmer's Market on Saturdays when College Game Day is broadcasting from near Folsom Field. The parking lot of Boulder Social is sure to be jam-packed on September 9th when the Buffaloes take on Matt Rule in the Nebraska Cornhuskers at home. There are a lot of opinions about Deion Sanders, but as to the question of if Prime is good for college football, the answer is unequivocally yes. And for anyone who says otherwise, well, that's fake news. That's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curb Street. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter up, caught it! Touchdown! 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 
with a second left. Watson hits Renfro and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races! Nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.